I spent the last seven years of my life living out my wildest dreams. Bianca, Rocky, my dad. This was built on their shoulders. Hey, my man, can I help you? Let me get an autograph. Nah, I ain't signing an autograph, so you get off my car. You don't remember me, huh? How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. Just got out last week. Glad to have you back out, huh? I know I've been away a long time, but I kept myself in shape. I still got gas in the tank. Come by the gym. Thank you. Curious what happened with you two? I didn't tell you. We was like brothers. I was the best, though. Man, I never got a chance to prove that. That's cute. I know what you're doing, Donnie. You don't owe this dude nothing. Damien's fighting the world. He's trying to hurt people. I vouch for you. You think you mad? Try spending half your life in a cell. Watching somebody else live your life. I'm coming for everything. You threatening me? Something is going on with you. Damien was like family. Now we pass talking. Then maybe you just have to find out. Do what I gotta do. Some of my methods, you might disagree with me. These are family ties. I recognize mine. I know that they needed me. Traumatic stress, watch it manifest. Got my only fear. I ain't scared of death. Did you hear me yet? I ain't scared of death. Did you hear me yet? What you gonna do? Threaten to take my breath? I need you to let go of your fear. Let go of the guilt. Let go of whatever was and walk into what is. I feel those chains are breaking, yeah. I fear God, I don't fear death. I see those strings and take a step. <clears throat> Trailer's over. All right. Hey, so we're, uh, we're covering Creed 3 today. Let me explain a little bit. I think it's appropriate to just talk about why, why do we do this series. One, just to have a little bit of fun. But two, it's important. We consume so much entertainment in our culture. And I really believe it's important that we as, as disciples of Christ, and if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus, man, we're so glad you're here. We want to help you in that. We want to introduce you to who Christ is. But as followers of Jesus, it's important that we develop the skill and the habit of being able to watch stuff and critically think about, what is this teaching me? Entertainment is almost never just entertainment. Entertainment, movies come with messages, right? Disney tries to disciple. And so you need to be understanding of that as you watch things and ask the question, what are, what are the messages behind this? One of our pastors said it so well this week. It was a great illustration. He said, Cale, you know, you know the, the Trojan horse from Greek mythology? And the Greeks went and fought the city of Troy and they couldn't beat it. So they pretended like they were retreating and they brought the Trojan horse to the front of the gates and left it there as a present. And Troy brought it into the city only to find out that inside was some of the Greek soldiers who got out during the night, opened the gates and let the whole army in. And he said, look, we have to understand that movies, that the things we consume on our phones, right, social media, it's like a Trojan horse. He said, you need to ask the question is, what am I letting inside? What am I letting inside? Is it something that's good and beautiful? Is it something that's destructive and hurtful? Is it true or not? 
And so this is a great opportunity in this series for us to hone that skill a little bit and actually become discerning, right, consumers of entertainment. And so in this film here, uh, it's a good film. And we've tried to pick films throughout the course of this series that we can say, hey, go, go watch it. Um, so you've got two really main characters. I'm going to simplify it way down. You've got Donnie and you've got Damien. All right, Adonis Creed and Damien. Donnie is the protagonist, Damien the antagonist. And these two were best friends growing up. And something happened, though, where uh, Damien was an up and rising boxing star. And Donnie is his sort of little brother almost in a sense. These two so close. And Donnie gets into a fight one day. Uh, and there are multiple reasons for that. But Damien sticks up for him and actually pulls a gun on the individual that he's fighting. And, and the police show up. He saves Donnie but ends up getting caught himself. Donnie flees the scene. Adonis does and escapes. Meanwhile, Damien ends up in prison for the next 18 years. And for a variety of reasons, Donnie never goes and visits him, sort of abandons him from that moment. And he feels an enormous amount of guilt and shame around what happened. And he spent now years trying to ignore that, suppress it, and now trying to make up for it. And so the central, the central question, I think, of the film, you could go, there are multiple lines you could go down, but one we're going to chase down this morning is that question, what do I do with my guilt? What do I do with my guilt? You might think of guilt like, like a stain, I'm going to use that phrase a lot. The scriptures will talk about it sometimes that way. Uh, if, if you, maybe you're like me. If I get a stain on a shirt, it really bothers me. <laughs> My wife will be like, Kale, stop worrying. It's not a big deal. And she's right, right? But to me, I'm like, but I can see it, right? And I can't get it out and it bothers me. And guilt is a little bit like that. The stain of sin is a little bit like that where far more seriously, it's there. You know it's there and you want it to go away. But you can't make it go away, though, though we try. Now, before I talk about the two ways that we often try to get that stain out, uh, let me just acknowledge, I'm going to use terms this morning, guilt, and we'll talk a little bit about shame. And I just want to acknowledge there is a difference between those two things. Now, I can't, this is a simplified summary, but guilt is more objective. We say we feel guilty, but really what we mean is, no, like we did something wrong. And we're guilty because of that. Donnie really did mess up here, right? He, he abandoned Damien in a lot of ways. Damien took the fall for him in a lot of ways. There's real guilt there. Shame is more subjective. More oftentimes the feelings we have that follow guilt and the negative self-evaluation and the enemy uses that, right, of this is who you are and you're trying to make us believe, right, we're we're bad because of this, but guilt being more objective. We're going to talk mostly this morning about the objective. What do we do with the very real stain? We try, to, we try a lot of things, but there are two primary ways. Two primary ways I think we try to deal with guilt where we say, man, I know this stain's there. I want to get it. I want to remove it. And the, the film portrayed this so well. One, we ignore it or we suppress it. We try to just, so you heard Donnie's trainer saying to him, you don't owe this dude anything, right? You need to just let go of the guilt, move past what was and walk into what is. The problem with that is it's not so simple. It's not as easy as just, I'll just forget about it. I'll just ignore it or suppress it. It's like a, a beach ball that you try pushing under the water and it just keeps popping up in different directions. 
Because if you do successfully say, well, I'll just forget about what I did. I'll just forget about what I said. I'll just forget about those things that I thought. I'll forget about that person I hurt. You become an unfeeling person who can't acknowledge any wrong. Or you see it popping up in other ways. Comes out in anger toward your spouse. And Donnie's wife comes to him, right? What, what's going on with you? <laughs> comes out in anger towards his kid. Comes out in anger in the workplace. Or you start trying to cope or numb it. You go to drugs. You go to sex. You go to alcohol. You go to pleasure in general, right? Anything to just keep your mind off the guilt and the stain. I want it gone. So we try to ignore it. We try to suppress it. Or we try to make up for it. I know that what I've done is wrong. So the logic is maybe if I do a bunch of right, right? I know that I've done something bad. So maybe if I do a whole lot of good, I can make up for it. I can cover up the stain. I can tip the scales in my favor. So Donnie tries that too, right? He's spent years feeling the shame and the, and the guilt, the weight of what he had done. And so now it's, well, maybe if I give Damien a chance. And so he sets up a fight for him and tries to help him along the way, give him a shot at the title. It's maybe if I do that, it'll make up for the ways that I've failed him in the past. We've all done it. The problem is, when do you ever know that it's enough? When do you ever know that you've done enough good to tip the scales in your favor? And so what ends up happening is you become this very, you're very driven and everyone around you might look and say, man, they just do so much good for so many people. But deep down, you know, that intense, insane drive to do good all the time is I'm trying to cover up the stain, trying to make up for what I've done wrong in the past. And so maybe if I just do a lot of good, that'll somehow again, tip the scales. But you never know that you've done enough. It never feels like enough, and you never feel like you've quite measured up. So you become an anxious person, always wondering, how do I know if the guilty stain is gone? My hope for us this morning is that as we open the scriptures, we'll be reminded, for those of us who have experienced the washing and cleansing of that, we'll be reminded of the beauty and the power of the gospel and what God has done for us through Christ. And for those of us who are here this morning going, I see the stain, I feel it, and I don't know what to do with it, that you, maybe for the first time today, will experience freedom and forgiveness and walk out of here a different man or a different woman. Open with me to Psalm 51. If you've got a Bible, turn to Psalm 51. A few weeks ago, it'll be on the screens here for you as well. So if you don't have a Bible, uh, don't worry. Uh, hopefully you can bring one, but we've got it on the screens as well. A few weeks ago, I mentioned David. And I mentioned uh, just at a side point in a sermon that David had become king, that God raised David up. If you don't know, David was a shepherd boy and God raised him up to be the king of all, all Israel. And mostly through his life, David maintains this posture and attitude of humility where he remembers where he came from and he remembers that it's only God that has given him his position. He, he maintains, we said a couple of weeks ago, a who am I kind of attitude until this one season in his life where he takes on a look at me kind of attitude and he takes this attitude of I'm the king and I can do what I want and he commits the series of some of the greatest, the greatest failures and sin of his life. 
He's on the rooftop one day and he looks out and he sees a young woman that he finds to be beautiful and he uses his position of power and influence and calls her in and his, the guys around him are like, man, that's, that's Uriah's wife. Uriah is in his army. It's one of his chief fighters, possibly even his friend. His grandfather works for him. It's, and he takes her, commits adultery, steals another man's wife, and then to cover it up, orchestrates the murder of Uriah, the killing of him at the front lines in battle. And there's this, um, 2 Samuel 11 and 12, there's this ominous moment where it says, and the thing that he had done displeased the Lord. And so we know the Lord sees it. So God ends up sending Nathan the prophet to confront David about what he's done. And, and when Nathan does, David finally does the first right thing in the whole episode where he says, I have sinned. He confesses it. I have sinned before the Lord. And the Lord says, I've taken away your your sin. Your sin has been removed, though there are consequences to what David does. And you read this story, and, and many times in the scriptures when you read these stories, you want to know, like, Lord, what was going on in that guy or that lady's heart and mind? How were they processing, right? What did David do in the aftermath of this, of dealing with the guilt and the shame? I mean, what did he do with that, the very real guilt of what he had done? A lot of times you don't get the answer to that question. This is one of the few times that you do because in the aftermath of this, David wrote one of the most famous psalms in the Bible, Psalm 51. David wrote this. If you look in your Bible, it'll say a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him. Right after this encounter with Nathan, David ends up writing and gives us a glimpse into how he processes this. This is what he wrote, and I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety. David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, I see the stain, God, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion. It's another way of referring to Jerusalem. 
in your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. So what do we do with our guilt? I want to say before I, before I give us, I'm going to give us three phrases. We're going to walk through sort of one at a time. Generally speaking, just as a Bible principle, you don't necessarily teach a lot of doctrine, right? A lot of theology out of the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms are more expressive, right? Not everything that's said in there is meant to be, okay, take that, and then we'll make that a principle. It's oftentimes the psalmist just pouring out their heart to God, sometimes in very raw ways. But we do see in here, David is modeling for us, I think, how we, what do we do with the guilt? When we've sinned, when we look back and we have deep regret over what we've said, what we've done, what we didn't do, how we hurt that person, what do we do with that? And I think David is modeled for us here. And we see it in the progression of the psalm. And I'm going to give us three words, right, that we bring and we receive and then we share. We're going to talk about each one in turn. Number one, we, we bring it to God. All right? First thing we do, most essential. As you acknowledge your guilt and you look back, and I'm assuming here for a second, right, that, that you look back and you're like, yes, I see the guilt. If you're here and you're going, look, I... I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. Honestly, I would say let's have a different conversation, right, about what sin is and how you break the Lord's law. But, but assuming that you're like, no, 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 I see it. <laughs> I feel it. Well, what do you do with that? You have a choice. You can run from God or you can run to God. You can run from God like Adam and Eve did in the garden. If you remember all the way back to Genesis 3, they sin, they're guilty, and what do they do? They go hide. God comes, where are you? And they're like, don't look at us. Right? Or you can run from him or you can run to him and you can say, Lord, I'm bringing the guilt to you. Listen to what David says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. It's like, God, I see the guilt. I see the stain. I see my rebellion against you. I know it's there. Can you help? Can you wash me clean? So he takes it to God. Bring it to the Lord. Then look at verse 4. This is, this is a critical point for understanding. Well, why do I bring it to God? He says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. <laughs> Honestly, that, that should shock us a little bit when you read that. Like, what do you mean against you and you only, God? You sin, let, let me list this out for you, David. You sinned against Bathsheba. You sinned against her husband, Uriah. You sinned against their whole family. And since you're the king, you sinned against the whole nation. I don't think David is saying, I think all of that is, is true, by the way. And I don't think David is saying, no, I didn't sin against any of them in any way, shape, or form. In fact, much of the rest of the Bible would, would teach us when you sin against someone, when you do something wrong and you hurt someone, you go apologize. You ask their forgiveness. You seek reconciliation to try to make it right. But David is making a critical point here for us to understand. And why do I bring my guilt before the Lord? Because of this. Anything that you've done wrong, the reason why what you did was wrong, the reason why what you said was wrong, the reason why what you participated in was wrong or didn't participate in and you should have, the reason that was ultimately wrong the reason is because it was against God's law and against God's character. 
ultimately speaking, it was against the Lord himself. And we need to wrestle with that a bit. You say, yeah, but Kale, I like, I sinned against that person. I hurt them. I didn't treat him or her the way that I wanted to be treated. And you go, and who said that? <laughs> who said love your neighbor as yourself? Christ did. Who said you're to treat that person in a certain way because they're made in the image of God? God did. That's his law based out of his character. You see, yeah, but I, but I lied. I mean, I lied to that person and I deceived them. Yes, and who said that I love the truth and I hate a lying tongue? Who said I am the way, the truth, and the life? God himself. It's based in his character and his law. You say, yeah, but I, gosh, I cheated on my, my spouse. I cheated on that person. I hurt them deeply. Yes, and who is the example of covenant faithfulness to us? Who loves us and declares their everlasting love for us and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Whose law did we ultimately break? Whose character did we violate? God himself. He is the great law giver. And when we break a moral law, the sin is ultimately against him. And I know that at first you're like, how is that good news? <laughs> That's terrifying. I'm accountable to him. And I've sinned against him. And my sin is ever before me. And Lord, I see it. How is that good news? It's good news in the sense that because it is ultimately against him, it means that forgiveness is always available and possible, no matter what. No matter what it was, no matter who you sinned against, no matter how many times you did it, no matter how bad, no matter how bad you feel about it or how others have made you feel, forgiveness is possible because it's against the Lord himself and he is willing to forgive. And the reality is, from a human perspective, Forgiveness isn't always possible. Sometimes you say, man, I, that person won't even speak to me. <laughs> We've tried to reckon, they won't even talk to me. Or I've apologized, and they, they just withhold the forgiveness. Maybe God will change the heart, but I don't know. Some of us, you've even had situations where you hurt someone, you sinned against them, and they died. Maybe not because of your actions, but they died before you were able to reconcile. And you're like, am I just supposed to live with that guilt forever for the rest of my life? No, because it was ultimately against God himself and he is the one to whom you can bring it and find forgiveness. You bring it to him. Our wrongdoing is against him ultimately. We're ultimately accountable to him and he is the one from whom we need to hear. You are forgiven. So we bring the guilt to him. And let me just say one other thing about that. I, oftentimes I will hear people say, okay, I can, I can get with that, right? I bring it to God and, and God can forgive me. But I can't forgive myself. I heard someone say it this week. Right? We were having that conversation. And actually, she caught herself. She said, you know, I'm just worried I can't forgive myself. And then she said, but you know, I've also heard that, I heard a pastor say one time that that's actually kind of arrogant because basically I'm saying like, God, thanks for the forgiveness, but I can't forgive myself. And so we talked through that. And I said, look, here's the way I would say that. I recognize you're saying, well, I can't forgive myself. And I would say to you, that's okay. You don't even have the authority to forgive yourself. Because the sin wasn't ultimately against you in the first place. It was against the God of the universe. And here's the really good news. You don't need to forgive yourself. You just need to receive the forgiveness that was purchased for you by the Son through the cross. 
That's the second thing, right? You bring it to God. You take that guilt. You take it to the Lord and you receive forgiveness through Jesus. Forgiveness is not something you earn. The stain is not something you remove yourself through your own efforts or good works. It is something that God, by his grace, through Jesus, does and purchases on your behalf. There is no stain remover you can come up with that is powerful enough yourself to remove your stain. The only stain remover powerful enough, if I can say it that way, is the blood of Christ shed at the cross. It washes you and I clean. We bring it to him. We receive forgiveness from him. Look at what David says. David says in verse 16 and 17, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. He's like, I, I know slaughtering the animal is not going to atone for my sin. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. But what does he say? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. David says, look, you bring that to God and you bring it in brokenness. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I see it. God, I'm heartbroken. Will you forgive me? And he says, he will not despise that. God's not waiting there to give you a lecture on all the things you did wrong. He is saying, man, come, let me wash you clean. You say, how do you, uh, yeah, but how do we know David was forgiven? Actually says it in the story. <laughs> David says, I've sinned. And the Lord says, I have put away your sin. As far as the east is from the west. So far has it been removed from you. You say, yeah, but how will I know that he'll put away my sin? Kale, if I, really, if I really were to bring it all before him, some of us, you're like, I haven't told anyone this, right? If I were really to go to God and lay it all out and say, here it is, God, here I am, here's everything I've done, everything I've ever said, everything I've ever thought, everything that I know deep down that I've tried to suppress and so I just don't want to think about it. And if I really brought that to God, how do I know that he would accept me? You know, because of what Christ has done. And let me explain that to you, right? Verse 7, you get glimpses of the gospel all through the Old Testament. It's so cool. Verse 7, David says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Like what is hyssop? Hyssop is this branch that grows in the Mediterranean, but it's got this long history in the Bible and it's a symbol of cleansing and atonement. All the way back to Egypt and God delivering Egypt, uh, his people from Egypt, he told them, I'm coming in judgment against Egypt and I want you to put every Israelite, put a, the blood of a lamb over your doorposts as a symbol of like, Lord, forgive us. We're covered by the blood. And you know what he told them to put that on with? A hyssop branch. Then later on in their history, when, when the ceremonial rites were put in place, the priests, when someone would come to the priest and say, I'm unclean, I've done something and I'm unclean, I need to be cleansed and washed so that I can be back in the covenant community and back in right relationship with God, they would use hyssop in the ceremonial rites. And then, perhaps most beautifully, John chapter 19 at the cross, Jesus, as he takes his dying breath, the people around him fill a sponge with sour wine and they put it on a hyssop branch and they offer it to Christ, the symbol of cleansing and atonement for sin. And Jesus takes it and the next words out of his mouth are, it is finished. Jesus at the cross was taking upon himself the punishment that you and I deserved, taking our guilt and shame, our very real guilt and our shame upon himself. 
the just punishment that we deserved, he bore on the cross in his own body, experiencing death and separation from God so that we could experience life and reconciliation to the Father. Think about it, guys. When you say, yeah, but how can I ever really forgive my, how could I, I mean, how could God forgive me for what I've done? How could I ever make up for it? And the answer is, you can't. But, but some of us go on continuing to beat ourselves up, thinking somehow if I beat myself up long enough, that'll make up for it. What is the worst punishment you could receive for what you've done? Death and separation for God, from God. The good news of the gospel is Christ has already taken both of those things for you. He's paid for it. You are forgiven and free. Move forward in freedom. Let go. Recognize. It's not just let go of the guilt. Just walk forward. In fact, did you hear in the film, right? Just let go of the guilt. Move on. We can't just let go of it. It needs to be dealt with. At one point in time, Donnie's wife comes to him and says, well, maybe you just need to fight him, right? And I think it's this sort of expression of, okay, you've tried to ignore it and suppress it and you've tried to make up for it. Maybe if you just take it head on and you fight him, you just go at the enemy, go at your guilt, go at your shame. The problem is you and I can't win that fight on our own. But the good news of the gospel is there is one who has gone toe-to-toe in the ring with guilt, shame, death, Satan, and the grave itself and has won. Christ victorious, crucified and resurrected. Your guilt is dead and gone. It's been paid for in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So you really can move forward. You really can receive forgiveness and be set free and then live in that freedom. Thirdly, this is so good. You, you bring it to God. You receive forgiveness. You're set free. And then you share with others what God has done. It doesn't just stop there. This is the evangelistic, the missionary portion of the Christian life. The missionary mindset of the Christian life is, man, I've got to go tell someone else about what Christ has done. Listen to what he says. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. David says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. I love this. David, don't miss this. David does not move on from this part in his life and go, please forgive me, and then I'll just never talk about it again. I'll just, just walk around kind of with my head down going like, well, I mean, I'm saved, but I just don't want to talk about my past. He goes, no, 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 no. God, through Christ, can take your past and change it, no longer a prison, but a platform of God's grace. Your past can be redeemed, and it's no longer a prison you have to live in. It becomes a platform for you to trumpet and proclaim the grace of God and what he's done for you. Think about that for a moment. Now, listen, <clears throat> there's wisdom to this. I'm not saying you go, right? You don't show up at life group and they're like, hi, I'm Kale. Here's the worst things I've ever done, right? And then you listen. No, but you do begin to live a life where you're saying, hey, I'm not hiding from the past. I'm not ashamed. This is who I was. And this is who I am now because of Jesus. And you're proclaiming the goodness of God. The fact that God has changed our past from prison that I once lived in to a platform for his grace. And I want to lean into it. Some of us, you're like, amen and amen, right? And you have that desire to share with others what God has done in your life. But maybe you feel a lack of courage around that. Or, and that's another sermon for another day, but I would encourage you. One thing, right? Just 
Ask God. Oh, God, give me the courage to share. Give me opportunities to do so. We always encourage folks, have one person you're praying for who doesn't know and love Jesus, that you can share Christ with them. Ask God to help you care more about what he thinks than what other people around you think. But some of us this morning, you're like, Kale, I don't even feel a particular, I mean, I know I should, but I don't feel that desire to really do. What would I even share with them? Now, if that's where you are this morning, I just lovingly want to press in on you to really take a moment and ask yourself, have you experienced the grace of God in your life? Have you experienced the freedom? Have you seen the guilty stain removed, washed clean by the blood of Christ? Because if that happens, it's life transformation. It is life changing, and you want to share that with others. You don't come away from spectacular moments and experiences in your life and not talk about it. You want to share it with others. And so if there's no desire in you, like, I, I mean, I know I should, but it's mostly just out of guilt I'm supposed to do that. Ask the Lord, Lord, I want to experience you truly. I don't want my relationship with you to be just a set of things that I say that I believe. I want it to be transformational. I want to walk with you, Jesus, and experience you in my life such a way that it overflows and I share it then with others. Finally, a word on shame. Shame is often the result, right? So guilt is the objective, like I, I did something wrong. <laughs> There's real guilt. And man, it's been dealt with, paid for, in full, by Christ at the cross. You are free. But oftentimes shame is this feeling and this negative self-evaluation that comes on the back end of guilt. And this inability to move forward because the enemy comes in and begins to say and whisper things to you like, well, you need to live there. Do you remember what you did? I mean, I know, you know, God's forgiven you and all, but can you really ever get past that? And listen, it's good and right to feel remorse and to, you know, you know in a way to say, like, I'm brokenhearted over what I did. But that that brokenheartedness should lead you to repentance, which leads you to forgiveness, which leads to freedom. You don't live there. But the enemy comes in and he wants to whisper to you, what you did is unforgivable. What you did is going to mark you for the rest of your life. Sometimes it's not even about stuff that you did. It's about stuff that was done to you. And you hear the whisperings, right, of, do you know why that person said that to you? Because it's true. Do you know why that person did that to you? Because you're worthless or you're a bad person because you don't measure up. And so you get these lingering feelings of, I mean, I know the guilt's gone or I know, but this is what I feel about myself. And this is so crucial. And the only thing I'll say on shame this morning, we have to learn to begin to speak the word of God back to the voice of shame. Speak the word of God back to the voice of shame because behind that voice is a very real enemy who wants you to live in that and you say back to him, no, I am loved. I am my father's child. I'm redeemed by Christ. I am new. I am forgiven. And I am his. And those things don't mark me anymore. The enemy tries to accuse you and remind you of what happened to you and say, well, that's because of this. You say, no, 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 that's not who I am. This is who God says that I am. And you speak the word back to him. He tries to remind you, yeah, but do you remember what you did? How can you really ever get over that? You speak back to him. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven and set free. I am a new creation in Christ. 
The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My sin is dead, nailed to the cross, and I no longer need to feel ashamed. I walk forward in freedom, for the stain has been removed, washed by the blood of Christ. As the old song says it, Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. As the newer song says it, differently but no less powerfully, who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Let's pray together. Father, for those who walked in this morning feeling guilty, weighed down by sin, and the very real guilt of it, God, I pray that those shackles would break this morning. God, I pray that they would bring it to you. Even now, if that's you, you bring it to God right now as I pray. God, here it is. You already see it. There's no reason for me to hide it. God, I pray that they bring it to you and they would receive forgiveness. When you come with a broken heart before the Lord, he does not despise that. He is not waiting to give you a lecture or point the finger. He is waiting to forgive because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which paid for all your sin and mine. Receive that forgiveness this morning. And then share it with others. Leave here determined, joyfully determined to share with others what God has done through Christ in your life. Father, for those of us, that's the first time maybe receiving that forgiveness this morning. I pray that you would, Father, th thank you for setting us free. And Father, for those of us who just needed that reminder this morning, thank you for the reminder from your word. And God, God, let us leave here not only free of the guilt, washed clean, the stain removed, but learning and committed to reading our Bibles, taking in the word, and speaking the word of God back to the voice of shame. We are free because of you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.